When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Duval, welcome in to a Jaguar season predictions and Texans preview. We've got week one NFL action coming up. We'll offer predictions for some of the Jaguar superlatives for the season, uh, end of season record predictions for the Jaguars, take a look at some of the questions facing the team entering 2021, and we'll also preview the Jaguars week one matchup with their division rival, the Houston Texans, as we've got the uh, Thursday night kickoff special. Bucks at Cowboys going on right now while we're recording. Just saw Rob Gronkowski get in the end zone. So we're excited to have football back. I know I am. How about you, Jeremy? Hey, man, we made it. We finally made it, right? The long wait's over. Football's back. It's the, it's the greatest time of the year. Uh, glad to see Gronk out in the end zone there, huh? I got a, a buddy of mine who took him like fifth fifth round in a fantasy draft, which is a little, little surprising for me. But, hey, if he's finding the end zone early, yeah, a little bit. But if he's finding the end zone that early, man, and he becomes a, a reliable target for uh, Brady again, he might have a big yeah. year. Yeah, I'm actually playing against him in fantasy, so oh, that's not great. Off to, but off to a have, rough start there. I have C.D. Lamb, and he scored the first touchdown for the Cowboys. So we'll see how it all plays out. But you guys are not here to listen to us talk about fantasy football. You're here to talk some Jags football with us. Reminder to check out jenjag.com to keep up with all the latest Jaguars news, analysis, videos. You can find all our podcast episodes over there. Again, that's jenjag.com. So we'll jump into some news, and then we'll talk about the top questions facing the Jaguars entering the season from our point of view. Uh, Luke Wilson signing, tight end who spent most of his productive years in the NFL so far out in Seattle. Uh Signed with the Bills earlier this offseason. Didn't work out there for whatever reason. But this is a guy who, in my mind, is similar to what you have in James O'Shaughnessy. Um, what what do you think about Luke Wilson? He is definitely a journeyman. I mean, he's he's been around the league. Uh, I, I don't know if necessarily you would, I guess, quote him as the journeyman. I don't know how, how many teams he's been on, but he's a veteran. You know, we've seen some good things out of him. I, I like your comparison to James O'Shaughnessy. Um, he's more of a, re- a receiving option. 
you know, so, I mean, it was very clear that we had to go out and get some guys who are going to be able to catch the ball. Uh, and, you know, we, we are doing that, you know, we're picking up some guys off the waiver wire, obviously, and, and signing Luke Wilson. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in and, and if he fits in immediately and, and what they have planned for him, because he is a different type of tight end than this team currently has. Yeah. I just think he and O'Shaughnessy having both of those guys as potential receiving threats, neither of them, has world-breaking athleticism or speed, but they both got solid hands. They know how to run routes and get open. And I think uh, having both of those guys gives you a little bit more depth in terms of receiving options at the tight end position. Carlos Polk, he was promoted to the assistant special teams coach today. And Corey Kasky hired as the offensive quality control. Good to see Polk moving up in the ranks this quickly, obviously. Um, This is a staff, a big staff here that urban Meyer has in Jacksonville. And it's just good to see Polk putting in the work and uh, getting his, getting his promotion there. Uh, AJ can, he was activated since the last time we talked from the COVID-19 list. So he will be out there Sunday against the Texans for the Jaguars as they look to have their entire offensive line and most of their starters in general, ready to go for regular season week one. Uh, Aaron Patrick, he had been waived to get AJ can back on the active roster. He's a defensive end that really showed out during preseason, especially against the run. He was waived, but he's able to return on the practice squad after clearing waivers. So uh, kudos getting him back. You're able to get AJ can back on the 53 and then get Aaron Patrick over on the practice squad. Yeah. You definitely feel a little bit more confident going into week one, having that you know, starting offensive line. We definitely have, you know, some concerns there, and we're going to talk about that later, I'm sure. But I feel much, much better with the group of five, the best group of five coming out there week one to, to really make a statement in Houston. Yeah, I'm with you there. Now, team captains, they were announced yesterday, and Urban Meyer, he kind of put together this thing where either family or friends, relatives, whatever it may be, uh, sent in videos to the Jaguars team meeting where they're announcing the team captains. So like Trevor Lawrence's wife was able to tell him miles Jack's mom, things like that. So it was kind of a really cool situation. Yeah. It was pretty awesome guys to see. finding out. Yeah. Um, it was really awesome to see. It just really shows you how much urban is, is really team and player oriented. You know, I think that was a great way to reveal that and really show, you know, the, the team that this is a, a family type environment. I love that. Yeah, he's super demanding. He's not going to accept anything short of the best, as he said multiple times. But then you have situations like this where you see he really does care about the players. He just wants the best for them. And that's why he's going to demand absolute highest quality from them. But yeah, these these captains are Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, rookie quarterback, first overall selection in the draft. Miles Jack, he received the most votes out of all the Jaguars players. And that's how they did this, by player voting. Josh Allen, uh, not surprising to see him there. Marvin Jones, Shaquille Griffin, Rayshon Jenkins, Brandon Linder. I mean, that's a pretty chalky group of guys to be the captains. It makes sense all around. You definitely love seeing the players vote your franchise rookie quarterback as a captain and put that C on his chest early. It's a great sign for me. It shows me that he has not only earned the respect of the coaching staff, but also the players, more importantly, the players, especially as a rookie coming in, you know, commanding that huddle, commanding that offense, you know, having that presence of, 
you know, being the guy, it's showing, it's paying off. So I love to see that. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Um, and Brandon Linder, it's his fifth year being a captain. So he gets the, or it's either his fourth or fifth year. I can't remember which one it is, but you get the gold uh, C on your jersey for whichever season that is. So that's just kind of a uh, cool thing for him that he's, he has the honor of being a team captain for so many years in a row that he earned that gold C on his jersey. First uh, one. First one in Jaguars history, I saw. Yeah, so exactly. That, that that shows the continuity is there now. I mean, it's not something that we've seen in the past. I mean, that it's it's a step in the right direction. He's obviously a veteran, um, you know, and, and as much as it pains me to say, because he's been one of the most consistent guys, you know, he is at the tail end of his career, I think, here, you know, in the next couple of years, he's been banged up. But continuity is huge, especially in the NFL. And it's not something that we see in Jacksonville a lot. Yeah, exactly. A lot of your captains that you've had that you've really liked have only been here for two, maybe three seasons, and then they end up moving on for whatever reason. Uh, but I don't know about Linder being at the tail end of his career. 29 years old. I mean, I think he could play into his mid-30s if he wants to, if if health remains, uh, which obviously is the question there. Yeah, with that, that's the tough thing, man. He's just I, I love Brandon Linder. He, he's been one of the best linemen we've had here in Jacksonville, I think, in the team's history, but he just unfortunately can't stay healthy. The man gets banged up a lot. It's, no, it's nothing, you know, on, on his end. He just, you know, he's an offensive lineman. He gets banged around in there. Yeah, so hopefully he can have a relatively healthy season this year for the Jaguars uh, and, you know, continue on with his career here. Um, Texans. Traded away Bradley Roby yesterday for a third and a conditional six. He's their best outside corner, probably their second best defensive player from the team last year. He's now gone, so that's an, another uh, another thing for the Jaguars not to have to worry about throughout the season. He is suspended for week one, so he wasn't going to be playing in this game anyways, but uh, just another another move that is going to make the Texans a little bit less competitive in my opinion, at least in 2021. I mean, it's definitely veteran leadership. If anything, like I said, he was going to be suspended for week one anyway, but you know, a guy like that who's been around the league, you know, a couple of years, you know, it, it definitely brings, you know, a, a certain essence, especially the sidelines. I mean, the Texans are really a hot mess right now. So nothing would surprise me at this point. Yeah. Now we're going to take a look at the top questions entering the season for the Jaguars. First, big thank you to Bold City Brewery. Make sure to check them out at their downtown location on East Bay Street and at their original tap room over on Roselle in Riverside. So I put together a list of questions I have for the Jaguars entering the season. Obviously, if you have anything to add to this, Jeremy, we can talk about it. But my biggest question, and there are many questions facing this team, but just how quickly does Trevor elevate the rest of the team? I think he will come in and play well early on, but how quickly is he just turning this team and into a much better offense and team as a whole and kind of putting that offense on his back and just saying, let's ride. I mean, you got to hope the impact's immediate. You know, you, you got to hope that he can make the receivers better. Um, you know, he can read the defense, correct any mistakes, check things at the line. Let's not forget, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the most polished prospect that we've potentially seen almost ever coming out of college steps into a situation that I think is, is probably better than some of the ones that we've seen uh, in the past when it comes to first overall picks. You've got some players, you've got some skill guys, you've got some guys that can really make an impact 
uh, especially like you said, if you can elevate their game, you know, and I think with his arm and the talent that he has, he will, you know, great quarterbacks make their receivers better. Great quarterbacks make their offense better. And I think that's one thing that we've been lacking here. You know, we've, we've had quarterbacks who have played decent, but we've never had that guy who just makes everyone around you better. And like I said, that is a huge question mark. Is he going to come in and make the guys around him better? We've seen him put the work in all off season, take the guys on a trip, all that kind of stuff. You've got to assume that that's going to lead you somewhere. The chemistry is going to be there, you know, all that stuff they talked about in the off season with reps. I mean, I understand that he wasn't getting all the first team reps the whole time, but he started every preseason game. He did get those first team reps in game action. So now it's time to put it all together and really see that, you know, he's going to be the guy that we all hope he can be. Yeah, I think it'll happen pretty quickly. Obviously, there's going to be some tests throughout the schedule with some really talented defenses uh, starting in week two, it looks like, with the Broncos defense. But um, I think this is a guy, he's been everything you would want him to be so far. So I think it'll happen quickly. I think it could happen as quickly as week one against the Texans, and we'll talk more about that game later. But I'm also curious, Tyson Campbell is the third corner, and then the cornerback depth as a whole. I just don't know if that is good enough to hold up uh, against some of these talented offenses the Jaguars are going to have to face. If anything, their speed. You know, we have the speed, but, you know, we, we saw Definitely. we saw in, in the Saints game that speed isn't always, you know – going to make the correct play. I mean, he's not really going to get, hopefully, hopefully I say it's not hopefully, he's not going to get burnt by anybody. He's got the speed just to stay with some these fast guys, but got to make sure we locate the ball. Got to have good ball skills. It was a little, you know, concerning to me seeing how few DBs they kept, especially in the cornerback room specifically with, you know, just the young, young guys that we have trading away Sidney Jones. But hopefully, you know, they have a plan for that. Hopefully they understand what they're getting into. Cause like you said, You've got some real burners that you see early on in the season. Uh, you know, you've got some guys, you know, later as well. The Bengals have a very deep receiving core. I know we'll get into that later. These guys are going to have to adjust quickly and make sure that they're in midseason form very early or things are going to look bad in the secondary. Yeah. And Tyson Campbell, um, he is on the injury report with a calf, but Urban Meyer said that he's going to be good to go. He's going to not have any problems suiting up. Trey Herndon, however, who is kind of the 1B slot cornerback for the Jaguars, uh, just depending on the situation, depending on how Campbell's playing. He is injured. He's still got a sprained MCL that he's working through. He's not going to play this week. So that means Chris Claybrooks is your fourth corner heading into week one. And I, I just really can't fathom that. I mean, again, it's the speed is there, but he hasn't gotten a lot of time as a coverage corner on this team. He's been mostly a special teamer. So again, you hope they have confidence in these guys and you really got to hope that, that they have them ready to play. Yeah. So uh, Jawan Taylor and his pass protection, can that rapidly improve throughout this season? If not, obviously it's going to be a major disappointment for a third year guy that came in as a second round pick. A lot of people thought he should have been drafted in the first round. Uh, had an impressive rookie season in 2019, did not follow it up well last year, hasn't looked great so far uh, throughout preseason training camp. Can he rapidly improve in pass protection from a consistency standpoint? If he can, you could be talking about an average to above average offensive line. If he can't, then you're probably talking about an uh, offensive line that ranks somewhere in the 20s. Uh, that's how important he is. I will say, 
I think the way this team is set up right now, as the Cowboys kicker just whiffs on an e- Ooh, easy... Okay. <laughs> wide left, wide right, just completely miffed. Wide left. Oh. Uh, Got to feel bad for him on that one. Uh, Greg Zerline. But the Jaguars are set up with Chris Manhurts, Luke Farrell, and James Robinson. If they can't protect with just their five offensive linemen, they can go max protect very easily, and those guys right there are going to get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. And and that is my biggest question coming into the season is where is this team going to be with the offensive line? Obviously, you have big questions not only at right tackle, but you have questions at left tackle as well. I think the Jaguars are really in a lose-lose situation with Cam Robinson uh, because you know either he completely comes and and – you know, it just does not live up to the expectations and then you let him walk or he plays really, really well. And then you let him walk because he's probably going to demand too much money. But over on the right side, talking about Jawan Taylor, the driving force behind this offense is going to be the quarterback. I mean, it's really the only major upgrade that we've made to the offense this off season. And, you know, Give Marvin Jensen. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Yep. Marvin Jones. My bad. My apologies. We did bring in Marvin Jones, but then again, if you don't have a quarterback that can stay upright to throw him the ball, it doesn't matter. So if these guys can't protect Trevor Lawrence, you know, you have a lot to worry about. You know, we've seen quarterbacks, unfortunately, have a tough start to their NFL career and not rebound. I don't think Trevor Lawrence is that guy. He's got more talent than, you know, some of these guys they talk about. David Carr, um, you know, they always want to say that his, you know, career was was marred by terrible offensive line play. But again, Trevor Lawrence and, and David Carr are not the same quarterback. But again, if you don't keep them up, you're going to have problems. If you don't keep a quarterback up, you can't get the ball down the field. If you don't keep a quarterback up, you have risk of injury, just like we saw with Joe Burrow last year. So, I, you know, I'm a very big proponent of this. Everything goes as the offensive line goes. If the offensive line plays well, the offense is going to play well. If they don't play well, we're going to have a rough year. Well, do you not agree that that Manhurts and Robinson can kind of help make up for some of those deficiencies if they present themselves. I do, but that, that puts you in a in a tough game when it comes to numbers. If you have it to does, constantly yeah. keep a tight end in max protection, you're losing a guy in routes. The defense, you know, they, right. they're up in numbers, and, and, and that just makes things more difficult for you. You don't want that to, to have to be your crutch. Yes, they can help, but if it becomes a thing where they have to help consistently, then we're already in a bad spot, and that limits what we can do offensively. So, I get where you're coming from. I mean, I do agree, obviously, if it has to come down to it and we've got a guy who's just absolutely blowing it up on the outside. You know, like you said, we face the Broncos here pretty soon. You've got Von Miller uh, and, and Chubb over there, Bradley Chubb on the other side. I mean, those two guys can create some mismatches and create some problems. And I guess you're probably going to have some max protection stuff there. But at the end of the day, when you go out on that field, I guarantee every single week, the game plan isn't to have to max protect every single time. Right. You want to go out there with your five guys and you should expect them to be able to, you know, block everything according to the numbers. And if you get into, like I said, if you get into a, a habit of having to max protect, you're going to limit yourself offensively. So can they help? Yes. But do you want to see that? Not really. Right. I'm just saying like in-game adjustments. If you're having trouble, you do have that in your back pocket if you need it. And I think having Robinson and Manhurts, two guys that can really get the job done and pass protection I think it's huge for for a team that has a suspect right tackle and for some left tackle as well. Yeah, it is. I mean, you always have something to fall back on. So, I mean, I guess I guess it is there. And you do have a plethora of blocking tight ends. And, you know, that two tight end set 
if, if done properly and, and worked consistently can lead to some success, not only in the running game or the passing game as well, like you said, but you know, again, it just, I, I just get weary of, of having to fall back on that, but I understand what you're saying. And I agree. Yeah. And then, so we've got Joe Cullen, first time NFL defensive coordinator, longtime defensive line coach, bringing over that Baltimore style defense, a lot of aggressive man blitzes. Um, I'm just curious I have confidence in Joe Cullen, but we haven't seen it right in the regular season yet. We haven't seen him call a game, play the chess game against the offensive coordinator, make sure all his subs are going properly, all that stuff. He just hasn't had to do it before. So until we see it, it's still a question mark. It definitely is. But you've got to think that, you know, having the guys that they have, the skills that some of these guys possess really affords you the ability to be very, I guess you could say, unpredictable, right? You know, you can have guys stunt. You can have guys move. You've got guys fast on the edge. You've got guys that you can throw out there that can play stout on the edge. They did keep a ton of defensive linemen, a ton of defensive linemen. So I think that's their that's their thought process going into this. You know, it was a little concerning with to me how many defensive linemen they, they kept. But, you know, I just fall back on, you know, being unpredictable, being able to throw different things at different quarterbacks every single week and having guys with different skill sets allows you to do that. So I want to certainly see, have that. Yeah, they do. I, I want to see a lot of pressure. That's something that we haven't seen in Jacksonville in the past. I want to see a lot of pressure. You know, if anything, make the quarterback make the play, make him make the throw, put the pressure in his face. You know, and I think I think that's where you're really going to find a lot of success with the speed that we have on the outside. Look for Josh Allen to have a big year. I hope he eats this year. He needs to have a bounce back season. And when you have guys that can get pressure, especially on the interior, and then you cause those offensive linemen to pinch down and really make sure there's no pressure, you know, coming on the inside, you're going to have a lot of pressure from the outside. So a lot of different things you can do. I think they really kind of, you know, tailored their their defensive back group to that as well. You know, with Tyson Campbell, with, with keeping Wingard and guys like that who can play downhill. Uh, you know, can move fast, are big guys, that's going to help as well. Yeah, so that kind of leads me to my next question. I think that there's definitely going to be plenty of opportunities and plenty of situations where Joe Cullen just dials up the pressure and they're able to get pressure by numbers, sheer numbers. Um, but is Josh Allen, Caleb on chase on, are these guys going to be able to win their one-on-ones and create pressure? Because yeah, Cullen can manufacture that pressure with his system, but you need guys to win their one-on-ones as well. Yeah. I mean, it's all about numbers. You know, obviously you want to see these guys winning a lot of one-on-ones, um, but you know, it's, it's, it's about being deceiving, you know, where can we bring linebackers to fill in going with this three, four look, you know, you're, you're going to have guys that are blitzing, every single play very rarely you're only going to bring three or four guys uh, most of the time they'll probably bring five unless they have a guy playing you know container or a hard flat off the edge they're going to bring five guys and once you start seeing those one-on-ones you know once you start getting some wins there it causes the offensive line to make some adjustments and then you get the guys sneaking in you know from distance blitzing up the middle stuff like that so do i think they can win their one-on-ones yes josh allen i think has to do that this year he has to prove that he can be that guy i mean you just saw the money that tj watt got today it was four years like 115 million something like mm-hmm. that the edge market is going up you know that they, they always have been and are continuing to be one of the most important players in the defense so Go get this money, Josh. You know, this is a big year for him. I think he can do it. Yeah, if he has a big year, he could be in line for getting a new contract uh, next season. So, 
huge year for him. I think he's got the talent to do it. I think he was a little underrated in what he did last year, battling through injuries and obviously didn't play all that much. I thought he did play pretty well when he was on the field. Uh, My final question is, are we worried at all about how Urban Meyer handles the losing? Because there's going to be more of it here than there ever had been in college form. Are we worried about that at all? Or did, do we think he factored that into his decision to come to the NFL? He knew that was going to be something he would have to manage. I mean, you have to look at history. I mean, there's only been one team that's ever gone undefeated. You know, another team came very close. You know, you're, you're not going to win every single game. But I would be more concerned if I had a coach who was okay and, and you know, complacent with losing rather than a coach who, who gets bugged by losing. I have yeah. no problem with him being bugged by that. I really don't. You want to see that. You want to see the fire. The losing should take him off. He's here to turn this around. We've been losing for a while. You know, he's not here to keep losing. So if that bothers him, great. You know, and if two years have gone by and we're constantly still losing games and it's not the right move anyway, and we got to move on. So I personally don't have any issue with it. Um, You know, if he can't stick in there and and, and take that, then, I mean, that's a personal thing, but I don't want to see a coach that that's okay with losing. Yeah, I actually wrote about that this week. I certainly don't want a coach that's okay with losing either, but you just want to be able to manage the stress of of having those losses that you haven't necessarily had in in the past. Uh, I wrote, how will Urban Meyer handle losing so often? He puts a ton of pressure on himself and is ultra competitive. Heck, he was having a hard time losing during the preseason. Of course, you want your head coach to hate losing, but you have to walk a fine line when it comes to hating losing and obsessing over the losses versus moving on and kind of not stressing yourself out too much about it. I think it's just more for him personally being able, like I said, to manage that stress. I, yeah. I, I want him to 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 sit on the losses. I want him to really obsess over it because that's when you go back, you watch the film. What did we do wrong? What can I do? What can we do every week to improve? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the obsessing over the over the losing. You know, you shouldn't be obsessing over winning because that's what's expected of you. You should mm-hmm. be obsessed over losing and correcting that. But again, like you said, it's managing the stress. Are you going to let it become too much to where it becomes a health hazard again or something like that. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, he didn't have any issues at, at Florida and at Ohio state, obviously, you know, if, if that's what he says, it is what it is. You're taking a guy's word for it, but managing that stress, understanding that yes, losing isn't good, but let's go in there. Let's approach it the right way. You know, let, let, let's make the adjustments and let's get better. Yeah. So if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and review on the Apple podcast app helps us out a lot. Helps other Jaguars fans find the show. So I was going to do the season predictions before the Texans preview, but I think doing the Texans preview actually makes a little bit more sense chronologically in the show. Before we do the season predictions, we can round the the show out with those season predictions at the end. So let's go ahead and jump into our Texans preview. Jaguars at Texans at NRG Stadium in Houston, 1 p.m. kickoff on Sunday. Um we can start on the Jaguars offense versus the Texans defense. I mean, that's what people care about these days. It's it's all about offense in the NFL right now. My question is what do the Texans have defensively that the Jaguars do not have an answer for? No JJ Watt, no Bradley Roby. Uh, I, I just, I'm having a hard time seeing where this defense really improves from a, uh, personnel standpoint 
I know they have Lovey Smith, which you like him as a defensive coordinator, longtime successful coordinator and coach. Um, he got them going with the turnovers in the preseason. They're going to run a very, you hate to say vanilla scheme, but they're not going to do a lot of crazy exotic looks. They're going to be doing uh, just high effort, high intensity, and trying to force turnovers when they're there. But from a personnel perspective, I just don't see what they have that the Jaguars can't answer. Yeah, they're going to come out and run a very traditional uh, Tampa 2. I mean, that that's really kind of Lovey Smith's, I think, bread and butter there. The cover 2, you know, bringing guys off the edge. They're not really going to do anything exotic, like you said, with blitzes and stuff like that. So really for this, for this first week, it, it's all going to be about what can we do up front, right in front of us? It, like I said, it's not going to be anything that's going to throw you off. It's going to be right in front of you. It's going to be best on best. Can we block what they have coming to us? So defensively, did they get better? No. Personnel-wise, I don't think they did. You should really ha- be really confident in this offense to go out and make a statement in week one. I mean, you've got some guys like Whitney Merchless, who's been a great player, who's been there forever, who's made plays. But really outside of that, like I said, no more J.J. Watt. Nobody really jumps out in my mind You know that that – I look at and say, they have to make sure they have a plan for that guy. So, I mean, really, you should come in here with an open playbook. You should be able to do all the things you want to do. Uh, and, you know, and it's just who's going to be better up front? Who is going to take control of this game and, and really take it to the other guys? Yeah, I think Justin Reed, their safety, uh, who actually got to do a kickoff during the preseason, he's always wanted to do that. Didn't look too bad doing it either. Um I think he's the closest thing to a guy that you really have to worry about on the Texans defense. You've mentioned Merciless. He's kind of been slowing down. He's not a spring chicken anymore. They've got Jordan Jenkins. They've got a couple young guys on the edge. Uh, Ross Blacklock is a backup interior lineman. He was a high draft pick a couple years ago. But other than that, I mean, you're going to have Vernon Hargraves out there starting at cornerback. They've also got Desmond King in the slot. I forgot to mention him. He's going to be a good slot defender, and Justin Reed's a good safety. So those are two guys you kind of got to think about. But other than that, I, I don't think there's anybody you really have to sit there and you know make sure you know where that guy is on every single play. Yeah, Justin Reed is a good safety. He is a good player, and he, and he can make plays. But again, like you said, not necessarily a guy that I got to sit there and game plan for and make sure he doesn't wreck my offensive plan. You know, he's not a Jamal Adams. He's not one of those type of guys. But, you know, if if you don't make the right reads and you make a bad decision, he's definitely a guy that's going to make a play. He's not going to miss a play, you know, if it's there. So definitely understand that. And, yeah, you know, Blacklock is, is definitely a guy who uh, we definitely – out of TCU, correct, right? If I'm, Yeah. You know, a, a guy that I do remember coming out with some pretty high praise, you know, to be an interior guy, but hasn't really made that mark yet. But, again – you know, he's going to be looking to make some plays, really looking to kind of cement himself. Now, I think, what, third or fourth year, you know, it's, it's time to start making that adjustment, making that, you know, step up and in, into being a really solid NFL player. So definitely got to keep your eye on. But again, like you said, nobody really that you, that just jumps out and says, you know, I'm a game changer. But you've got to be aware that these guys can make plays if you put them in position to do so. Yeah, and then Lonnie Johnson, who's probably their second or third best guy in the defensive backfield he has not been practicing this week um not sure if he's going to be able to you know be limited on friday and then get in the game on sunday but that would be just another major blow for them um yeah i have a really hard time thinking this texans defense is going to consistently stop trevor james dj who dj chark is fully healthy now he's been catching passes all week 
he had been running routes this entire time, so he wasn't like losing his stamina or anything like that. Um, yeah, those guys, DJ, Visca, Marvin, James Robinson, Trevor Lawrence, I just don't see the guys on this defense, even though they will be well-coached and they did lead the NFL in turnovers forced during the preseason. I just am having a hard time seeing it. I agree. As long as we're doing what we need to do up front and offensively, we can't make mistakes. That's the biggest thing, you know, is, is, is if, if this offense starts making mistakes, they're going to start making plays and then we're going to get behind the chains. We're going to get behind in the game. That's what the biggest thing is. I think this defense gives you troubles when you make mistakes. If you come out and execute your game plan properly, then I think we're golden. Yeah. Now, on the other side of the ball, the Jaguars are going to be fully healthy outside of Trey Herndon, how we mentioned earlier. He's not going to be available for this one. But um, you're going to have all your defensive linemen, all your linebackers, all your safeties, all your corners outside of Trey Herndon. Um, Dewey Wingard. He's going to be in the starting lineup. He's going to start the game. Joe Cullen mentioned that they are going to uh, kind of mix and match what they're doing between having Wingard and the rookie Andre Sisco, who's clearly outperformed him um, out there for the defense. But um, when you look at the Texans offense versus the Jaguars defense, I think the Texans, they – they did hold hold over their offensive coordinator despite getting a new coaching staff, head coach and GM and all that with Joe Cully and Nick Casario. But they did keep their offensive coordinator. He's a guy that does like to do a good bit of pre-snap movement, so you're going to see that. But then when you look at the Texans' offensive line, their quarterback situation as Antonio Brown hauls in a deep touchdown pass, um, Yeah, you look at the offensive line, the quarterback situation with Tyrod Taylor back there. Taylor's a guy who he's not going to make a ton of flashy plays with his arm normally. He can hit him deep, but he's going to be conservative. He's going to try not to turn the ball over, and he is going to beat you with his legs when the time presents itself to do so. But just when you look at around the league, the guys that are starting quarterbacks, this is not one of the top guys at this point in his career. And he's throwing to a group of receivers and outside of Brandon Cooks, there's nobody that really scares you here. Chris Conley. Yeah, we know what Chris Conley does. Anthony Miller, uh, he got he got traded over from the Bears, wasn't really finding the success that we had hoped for him to find in Chicago. They just signed Danny Amendola. Uh, He's obviously well past his prime. Nico Collins, he's a rookie from Michigan. Jordan Akins and Farrow Brown at tight end. Again, what what am I missing here that should scare the Jaguars defense outside of Brandon Cooks? You're not missing anything, but again, it it, you know, comes down to can we execute our game plan on the defense side of the ball? I think that's the most important thing week one like you mentioned offensively you know we should be able to really line up and and do what we want to do against this defense and then defensively we should have no problem lining up and and doing what we want to do against this offense you don't have a guy that scares you in the backfield you don't really have a guy like you said outside of brandon cooks that scares you in the passing game i think this defense needs to really focus on just keeping everything in front of them where we're going to get beat is if we you know make a, a, a miss a coverage or miss an assignment and we get a guy who you know, is uncovered down the field that that just gives an easy throw for Tyrod. That's going to be the most important thing. Keep the ball in front. Don't miss any assignments. Can we control the line of scrimmage? 
can we stop the run? They don't have anybody up front that, you know, is a game changer, is going to scare you. Philip Lindsay came over, uh, you know, but but he's been in the league a few years and, and hasn't really been, you know. Mark Ingram. And, and Mark Ingram as well. Again, also a guy who's who's a little bit older now, especially at the running back position. Probably not going to see him too, too much, probably in short yardage situations. David Johnson, a guy who came over in that just still unbelievable trade a couple years ago, hasn't really been his old self, always fighting through injuries. So, you know, can we line up and, and just, you know, impose our will upon that offensive line? And can we keep the running backs from breaking out, uh, you know, keep them inside, have our linebackers make tackles? We can't miss any tackles, take what's given to us, make sure we, if we're getting in the backfield, we can make those stops. And then again, always make sure we're getting pressure on the quarterback. And that's what I expect Joe Cullen to do. I don't expect him to sit back there and let Tyrod Taylor just manage the game because, like you said, he doesn't have the craziest arm. He's not the most gifted guy, but he will sit there, make the right reads, make the right throws. Very rarely does he turn the ball over. Doesn't make very many bad decisions, but if you can keep your contain, he won't be able to move because he can run. And if you keep your guys in front of you defensively, especially in the defensive backfield, you'll be okay. As long as you don't let anybody over the top and give him easy throws and easy plays to make, we should be able to contain this offense. Yeah, and I think this is going to be a coming out party for that defensive front against the run. We've seen it during training camp. We've seen it during the preseason. Now I think we're going to see it in the regular season between Malcolm Brown coming over from New Orleans, Devon Hamilton entering his second season, Roy Robertson Harris signing from Chicago, and the rest of the depth guys on that interior. I just don't think this Texans offensive line and running game is going to be able to really get much going against that front. And we can really call this game what it is. It's a tone setter. You know, it, it, it's a confidence booster. If these guys come out and play well, you'll have a lot of confidence going into week two. If you come out and play poorly against a team that you should beat, it's going to set you back. So we got to set the tone early, you know, in a favorable week one matchup, come off the field with the win, and really kind of just propel the season in the right direction. If you don't, you've got a couple tough matchups coming up that if you lack confidence and you lack you know, just, just the ability to, to go out there and, and just beat the man in front of you, we're going to struggle. Yeah, I, I will say this. I will not be surprised if on the first series we see an Andrew Wingard missed assignment. Joe Cullen kind of talked him up about saying how he's tough, reliable, and physical. But I'll tell you what, I, I've seen him on the field plenty of times, and I've seen him make plenty of mistakes back there that have been pretty costly yep. for the defense. Yep, he, he's always... I hate to say it because I love Wingard. I love the guy that he is, the gritty, just always fighting for a guy, but he's constantly finding himself out of position, missing tackles, missing assignments. But my thing with this is, and I think everyone was kind of like, you know, jaw to the floor when they saw that depth chart. It's going to be a a different type of defense than we're used to in the past. You're not going to see Wingard playing, you know, roaming in in the backfield. He's going to be up close line scrimmage. He's going to be up in the box. I think they'll probably go one free a lot have one guy high and really kind of press this offense. So I'm not too surprised about it when you start seeing obvious pass situations or they start getting into, you know, a pass happy, um, you know, offensive play calling, you know, we're going to see a lot of Cisco. He's the better ball yeah. guy. You know, he, he's the better guy in the backfield. So I'm not too concerned about that. Wingard. I'm just literally thinking about the first drive. Yeah. It's tough. But first play. I wouldn't be shocked if Wingard is just not where he needs to be. But you hope they have the confidence in him or, or have been able to kind of, you know, coach him up and, and get him in a scheme that, that fits him better. I think him up close to the line, you know, not 
playing, I guess, out in space is probably best for him. That's where we've seen a lot of his his woes is, is you know, getting beat in space. He's not the most athletic guy. You know, he he definitely bites on moves and stuff like that. But I think keeping him close, walking him up in the box, making him a force player is going to benefit him for sure. We might be surprised a little bit. Yeah. And I think for this defense to be successful against the Texans, all they really are going to need to do is not beat themselves by, like, letting big screens go, you know, not being able to key on those or letting Tyrod Taylor get really long runs with his legs, uh, things like that that you're not always ready for uh, every single play. You just got to make sure that those don't kill you because they have in the past. Yeah, that's exactly it. Just make sure that you're making the plays that are there, not missing assignments, not blowing coverages. I mean, that, that just is what it is. This is one of the very few matchups, I think, on the schedule that you look at and you can just say that we across the board are better and a more talented team. You just can't beat yourself. You lose this game if you beat yourself, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it's very possible. I don't think that that is going to be the hallmark of an Urban Meyer coached team. But again, that's something we haven't seen in the regular season yet. Uh, special teams, another area, maybe Urban Meyer's like most obsessive area of the game. He, he made it an emphasis to make sure that this special teams unit had plenty of talent and you got to love Jamal Agnew who we have not been able to really see in the preseason or on the field that much yet, just because I think they're making sure that they're, they've got him for week one and for the regular season, but that's a special return, man. Logan cook is an excellent punter Lambo when he's right is one of the best kickers in football and he's coming off a good week and a, a good final preseason game. And then you look at Rudy Ford who urban Meyer raves about says he's the best uh, gunner that he's ever been around, perhaps the best in the league right now. Andrew Winger, Daniel Thomas. There's a lot of guys that are quality gunners there. And special teams is where you can come in and capitalize on mistakes the other team makes as well. You know, um, Jamal Agnew, like you said, I mean, he is what he is. He's a returner. I know he's just as wide receiver. Again, it was a little bit remiss to me to, to not mention that they kept him outside of keeping another receiver and, and, you know, letting go of one of those, what, 18, 24, it seems like defensive linemen that they have. So we've got to be special, especially on the special teams. <laughs> and I know I said that a special lot, special, <laughs> special teams. Again, this is also a phase of the game where if you make a mistake, it could hurt you pretty badly. You know, we can't have any botched punts. We got to make sure we're making field goals. So Lambo has got to come out and be that kicker they wanted to be. And, and let's pop one off here in the punt return game or maybe the kickoff game. Let's, let's get a good return. Let's put our offense in a good situation, you know, and plus territory, stuff like that. Little things like that that you can do to really just propel your team to the next level and really make sure that, you know, you're, you're really keeping this game in hand. Yeah. I think obviously that has been an emphasis, like I mentioned, for Urban Meyer. I think we'll see it come to fruition in week one. I think we'll see a good performance from these special teamers. Now, um, that's pretty much it for this game. The Jaguars are three-point road favorites in Houston. Um, Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator, came out and said they're going to script about 15 plays. It's vital, crucial for Trevor Lawrence to get going early. So they're going to try to set him up with some stuff that he's comfortable with, some stuff that should be able to uh, lead to easy completions, get him in rhythm, get him going. And uh, they want to play with pace, not just in terms of like running no huddle, but getting in and out of the huddle quickly, getting to the line of scrimmage quickly. They don't want to be 
a wallowing offense as urban Meyer has put it before. So, and I, I think the Texans, they're going to get this all season. Every team that plays them is going to think that they're going to beat them. We'll see how it plays out, but this looks like on paper and based on what you've seen in terms of all the things the Texans have been doing in their front office, um, the Deshaun Watson situation, it looks like this team really is ripe for the taking uh, and that the Jaguars should be able to go get this one. Do you have them winning this game? I do. I do. And when's the last time? that the Jaguars were favored and favored on the road. Right. I, I really don't, I, you haven't seen that in, in a long time. Early so, 2018. Maybe. Yeah. It's, it's, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, it's just not letting it get away from you. Like you mentioned, you know, everything that's going on over there in Houston, it almost feels a little Jaguar-ish at times, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, you get in one of those cycles. And I know they're a newer franchise too, so they've had it before, but Nothing that they're doing right now really speaks to a competitive team. So again, just brings me back to you just cannot beat yourself. Yeah, here's another thing. Um, you talk about these teams both look like they're rebuilding clubs, right? But the Jaguars have a ton of young talent. They're still one of the youngest teams in football. They have their number one overall pick quarterback. Despite being a young team, Urban Meyer is not talking about this season being about development every season that urban Meyer is in Jacksonville for him, it's going to be about winning games and that's how you develop players on the other side of things. Nick Casario has come out and said they're not going to measure success by wins and losses this year. They're going to measure it by player development. So when you look at that mindset too, I think that that mindset will creep into how the players perform for both teams. Yeah, no, it definitely will. You know, you don't ever, like hearing that obviously and especially you know as a professional athlete you know i wouldn't like hearing that my team basically just saying hey we're not in it to win this year we're you know we we've seen that in the past we've had that kind of talk here before like hey we're just trying to get better every single day you know we're not worried about wins and losses blah 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 but that's not the reality of it this is the nfl you're measured by wins and losses this isn't hey let's just get better it'll be there in a couple of years no you got to win now and i think that the difference in the situation is yes you want to take both these teams and you could probably categorize them in the quote-unquote rebuilding uh group but the jaguars again and i said this earlier their rebuilding situation right now is probably one of the best rebuilding situations i've ever seen you've got your guy you've got your quarterback there can't be a Let's wait and see. This is going to take time. This is a win-now situation. You've got a guy who's going to come in, hopefully is going to be a star. And on the contract he's on right now, your window is open for the next three to four years. This is your time when you've got to put a team around him that's ready to win. And when you look at the weapons that we have, talked about this earlier, the weapons that this team has, they're not necessarily rebuilding top to bottom. You can plug in a quarterback on a on a on a decently talented team and, and really see things turn. We've seen it, you know, before. So that's the mindset they got to have. This isn't a, a couple year rebuild, you know, let's be competitive in a year or two. This is, let's be competitive. Now we've got the guy. We think that this is, you know, the NFL's, I guess you could say are LeBron James, at least because Pat Mahomes has definitely taken the league by storm. So he's Steph Curry, Steph Curry. All right, there you go. He's, he's our Steph Curry. And I'll take that. If he's dropping dimes, like Steph Curry drains threes and then I'm okay with it. So it's win now mentality and that's it. We can't have anything else. Yeah, um, 
and we'll get into how we think that'll play out with our season predictions here. A couple other quick things with the Texans game. I think if you've got any Jaguars players, it's pretty safe to go ahead and throw them in your lineup. Uh, you, if you got those receivers, DJ Chark, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, I think any of them are fine in your flex spot. Um, James Robinson, you got to play him in this one. You drafted him to be a starting running back. You got to get him in against the Texans. Should be a good, juicy matchup there. Trevor Lawrence, another one. If you have him on your fantasy squad, I think it's fine to start him this week. And if you have the Jaguars defense for some reason, maybe you're streaming them, go for it. I don't think I have any problems with those. Maybe the only position group that I wouldn't, uh, kind of lean in on this week against the Texans is the tight ends, but even them, they could, they could score a touchdown or get a couple passes, James O'Shaughnessy. But yeah, I think you're pretty safe playing Jaguars this week. I think your only for sure start is James Robinson. I'm not quite in there yet. I, the matchup is great. I get that, but Trevor Lawrence, we haven't seen him in regular season, you know, football yet. It's different, and I'm not saying that I expect him to not put up numbers because I do, but he's probably not your first drafted quarterback. So I would probably go with whoever you got there first. The receivers again, I wouldn't play anybody yet until we know who that guy's going to be. You've got Lavisca, you've got DJ, you've got Marvin Jones. I think Marvin Jones is going to be his initial look going into this game. He's the veteran. Um, you know, he he's really kind of made his mark for sure. I think with this team, DJ, you've got to be a little concerned about how that hand is is going to hold up. Obviously. Urban Meyer said he's completely good to go, but a broken finger on a wide receiver is never great. And then uh, LaVisca's your boomer bus guy. I mean, I, I think he's going to have a, a huge impact this year. I think, you know, he really might be the number two guy. I'm starting to lean more towards, unfortunately, Marvin, LaVisca, and DJ. But I'm not necessarily begging to play any of these guys this week. The Jaguars defense could definitely be a streaming option if you like to stream your defenses. But James Robinson is my only must play. I'd feel really good about Marvin and Visca too, just because of the work they've gotten in all preseason and training camp and how good they've looked. I think that, uh, I don't think the Texans are going to match up with them. And I think the Jaguars are going to make them a focal point early. It could be just, you know, the, the, the Royals and the riches, man. You know, there's so many guys that, that Trevor could spread that ball out to. I, I don't think you see anybody catch 10 balls for 80 yards this week. I think you'll be boomer busting on anybody finding the end zone, though. I definitely see where you're coming from. I think there'll be more balance. I think there'll be plenty of balance, and I think it'll be between those big three, and then maybe you see a Tyron Johnson deep shot or two. We haven't even brought him up. He's going to be an excellent fourth receiver for the Jaguars, just a guy that can that can take the top off of defense and let uh, Trevor just kind of sling it down the field. He's so good at doing that. So, Jeremy... Let's go ahead and hear it. What is your score prediction for Jaguars at Texans? I've got Jacksonville 24, Houston 10. I think, uh, you know, we'll probably, you know, get get a, a touchdown at least in there for Houston. I don't think we're going to shut them out by no means, though I think that we're in the position to do that yet. But I look for the offense to control the game. Uh, you know, I, I don't expect them to really take any huge shots. I think they're just going to take what the defense gives them this week. You don't have to go out and try to get anything quick on these guys. I think we should load up up front, establish the run, throw off that, let Trevor move, uh, you know, boot naked, you know, get him out. He threw really well on the run. Uh, so design that into it. But I, I think overall the Jaguars should have no problem here. And I got 24-10. All right. I've got 27-17. So we're kind of in the same ballpark here. I just think that, you know, um, 
this is a young football team. The Jaguars are a brand new team with so many different aspects of the game. I think that they'll allow a couple touchdowns and a field goal, uh, which maybe if you're playing the Texans later on down the road during the season, you kind of want to beat them a little bit more than that. But I think a good 10 point win, um, regardless of who you're playing in your first game under Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, all the newness, I think that that would be uh, just a massive success. 14 points and you cover the spread. I have no problem with that. <laughs> Good stuff. So make sure to follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markowski, myself at Jordan DeLugo and Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. Now, my friend, it is time for our season-long predictions. We're going to start with our Offensive Player of the Year, uh, Offensive Weapon of the Year. Let's make it that. Offensive Weapon of the Year. What What are you saying for this one? So is this a non-quarterback or is this? Yes. Okay. Because <laughs> that, that, that question would have been really easy to answer. I think yes. my Weapon of the Year is LaVisca Chenault. Um, I think he takes a huge step this year. I just I love what he can do. He always fights for extra yardage. If I'm not mistaken, he was towards the top of the league last year um, in yards after contact. And oh yeah, and uh, it was either yards after contact and rack or just yards after contact. But when you go back and watch the film, I mean, he fights for every yard. He makes guys miss. He breaks tackles, and I think fully healthy. You know, coming into a full off season, you know, getting a quarterback that's going to get you the ball in the right situations. I think he has an absolute stellar year. Uh, I think he really kind of overtakes uh, DJ as the number two guy. I think Marvin's going to get that initial look, like I mentioned, just because of his veteran presence. But LaVisca is a guy that can really do it all. I mean, he's not going to really go up and get a ball over anybody, but he creates space and he's a great guy, you know, to to, to put in space and, and watch him work. Yeah, he is. I love that pick. He'd be my second pick. Um, I'm going with James Robinson. I know that's not like the sexy pick here. You want to go with like maybe somebody new or a receiver, but James Robinson, he's going to be excellent running the ball for you, right? He's going to be excellent in pass pro, and he's going to be excellent catching the ball out of the backfield. I just think you can't beat that. He's definitely got a big statement to make. Let's make sure it's not a fluke. You know, this guy looks like he can be the part. Teams are going to have to prepare for him. That's the only thing that kind of you know worries me a little bit. Although they're probably preparing for him as the season went on last year too, and he was still making plays. So you're going to have to establish that run, I think, early on. I really want this team to still run the ball effectively and often because you want to take that pressure off Trevor Lawrence. So if he comes out and he's your offensive MVP, you're in a good spot. Yeah. Well, offensive weapon. Offense. I'm sorry, offensive weapon. Correct. We all know who the offensive MVP is going to be or at least should be if this team wants to win. <laughs> Defensive player of the year. I've got Miles Jack. I'm not saying that he's the most important defender because I think that goes to Josh Allen. I wrote about that earlier this summer, but I just think Miles Jack is the best. Um, he's the most talented player on the defense for his position. I think bar none. Uh, he's just a freak athlete. He's developed so much like as a leader as a guy who's a student of the game and he just makes plays all over the field. He can run you over in the backfield. He can chase you down or into the sideline. He can cover down the field and make big plays. I just think he's going to have a fantastic season in a defense that is designed to be easier for the linebackers. I agree. I think he's the, the best defender on this team right now, but I'm going to actually have to go with Shaq Griffin. 
And because here's what I think. If this defense is as improved in stopping the run as we think they are and as we believe they are, the most important thing is going to be getting off the field on third downs. You're going to have to have a guy who's going to be able to lock up their number one, lock up whatever side of the field he's on, and make sure that this team, these teams excuse me, are not converting third downs. We've got to get off the field, keep the defense fresh, keep the offense rolling. So I think he's your guy. I think he's got to be the guy who, who goes out there gets the ball, you know, can, can be a really shut down corner. Uh, and, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing on this defense is, is, again, getting off on third down, making sure we're not blowing any coverages and having guys run over the top if we can stop the run first and second down. Yeah, and he didn't show too much during the preseason, but we did see him make a ton of plays in camp. You've seen him make a ton of plays for Seattle in the past, especially in man coverage, which is what the Jaguars are primarily going to be running on the back end. So I like that pick. Who you got for most improved? My most improved player, I mean, I, I guess you could probably go back and, and say LaVisca just because I think of the step that he's going to take, but he had a pre- pretty decent year last year. Um, he did for a rookie. It wasn't like crazy numbers, but it was good. So I'm going to go with a hopeful most improved here and what I would like to see the most improved player be, and I think it's got to be Jawan Taylor. I think you've really got to supplant yourself now as a – or plant yourself, sorry, not supplant. We don't want him to be supplanted. We want him to establish himself as an NFL tackle, as a guy who you can trust, especially on third downs, especially you know in obvious passing situations, to lock down the edge. We've got to have guys that are going to do that, protect our quarterback. So do I think he's going to be the most improved player? Not quite sure, but for this, this is, this is hoping. The, I, I hope Fingers that he's crossed. Yeah, I hope that he's the most improved player. I hope that he really comes out and has a great year. Yeah, for me, I thought this was a pretty easy decision. And it's it's hopeful, but I think it's also very realistic. C.J. Henderson, I mean, he came out his rookie year, first game of the season, played amazing football, had a couple other good performances throughout the season, dealt with injuries, I think missed half the year. I think this is a guy that could be the Jaguars' best cornerback by the end of the season. And I think he certainly will be the second best cornerback on the team. Um, he's a guy that has all the talent in the world, played really good during the preseason and training camp after he arrived. So this is a guy I think could have a, a real bounce back year. Oh, I didn't know if we were doing both sides of the ball or just, or just overall. Oh, yeah. But that's, but I, I love that pick. But if I had to say defensively for me, it would be Caleb Vaughn. Now yep. that he's in a scheme that I think benefits him a lot more, allowing him to to use his speed off the edge, that's the guy I look for having a big year. And he did some pretty good stuff in the preseason. So uh, he did. I, I hope that he comes out and shines. I'm excited for Caleb on. I Me think too. a lot of people are sleeping on him and CJ Henderson, to be completely honest. He's got a very special oh. skill set. Like he he's got yeah. that. He's got and I don't want to really compare it to this guy yet, because he, but he's got that Von Miller esque type. Skill set, lean guy, fast guy. If he can get his hands and keep the offensive line's hands off of him, he's gonna he's gonna be fantastic. Yeah. Now, uh, MVP. Let's go ahead and say it at the same time. Three, two, one. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah, there's no question <laughs> there. I mean, if he's not the MVP this year, then something bad happened, or, or this team really is not where we thought they would be. And I'm not going to say they're going to go out there and be world beaters this year. I don't think anybody's expecting that, but this is going to be the guy that, that has to really propel your franchise back into winning times and, and pr- propel you guys in, in, into the top echelon of the NFL where we want to be. It, it's got to start with him. 
Yeah, and I think he's going to be flirting with the 30 touchdown mark. Um, I know that is somewhat unprecedented, but with the way Trevor Lawrence has entered the league after being a three-year starter at Clemson, unbelievable talent, hardworking. He's in an offense that most rookie quarterbacks do not go to an offense that has this much talent at the skill positions, especially first overall pick quarterbacks. They're usually going to teams that are pretty barren. The Jaguars are not that in terms of the skill positions around him. So I think that he's going to have a very good year for the Jaguars. And uh, I think I'm not predicting playoffs. We'll get to that in a minute, but I do think he's going to make the Jaguars competitive for a team that was 1-15 last year to just be a competitive team week in and week out, I think that would be huge. And I think that's what Trevor is going to do for this team. Absolutely. And like you said, it's not even just what we want him to do or hope that he that he does. It's what he has to do. He has to do that if we're ever going to get out of this rut. All right. The moment we've all been waiting for almost. First, before the overall record, what's their division record this year? Man, that's a tough one. It really is. I I think they go. I think they go three and three. I think they get swept by the Titans. I think they uh, split with the Colts and potentially split with the Texans. Maybe. I don't know, man. It, it's it's just it's so tough. So you're you're definitely you definitely got the Titans twice, and and I really the Titans what they do to the Jaguars year in and year out. I I don't think we're there yet. You get one with the Colts, you know, do you sweep the Texans? I'm not sure. I think you have to. I'm not sure. I mean, you definitely have to. You definitely have to, but I, I just, I don't know if I'm that confident yet. So that, that puts us what at, at? That would be two and four. Four and two. If you're split, if you're splitting with the Colts and the Texans and losing to the Titans twice. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so, two and four. So. Yeah, uh, man, that that is that is that's not great. Well, may, maybe you sweep the Texans and, and and you go three and three. That's what I'm picking here. I think they're going to go three and three just, in division. division. I think they're going to sweep the Texans. So and let's let's face it, this team has lost 15 games in a row. They have not beaten the Texans since 2017. Uh, but this is not the same team that you saw in 2020 or prior to that. And this certainly isn't the same Texans team that you've been seeing in the recent years with Deshaun Watson, not there. JJ Watt, not there. Uh, Hopkins is gone. Everybody's gone for the most part. That was their heavy hitters. So uh, I just think they're going to sweep them. I think they're going to be, I every year there's a team where the entire league is just kind of saying that's the worst team in football the texans are that team this year and i don't think it's a fluke i think they really are just going to be terrible i'd be surprised if they win more than a couple games they are they are terrible but again unfortunately for the jaguars it's a divisional game and you know divisional games always make me uneasy even the years when the jaguars were bad and they were that team they would usually squeak out a divisional win or at least a really good fight so I do want to sit here and say that I'm that I'm confident that they'll sweep the Texans. I think if they win Week One, it gives us a much better chance. Obviously, I'm much more confident in them beating them at home. But I just I'm not sure if I'm fully in on, on diving on that yet. But for for what it's worth, I will say I'll go three and three. I'll say we, okay. we sweep the Texans, we split with the Colts, and we get swept by the Titans. Yeah, and I wouldn't be shocked if they just split with both the 
um, Colts and Titans. I think it's easier to sit here on paper and say, yeah, it's easier to beat the Colts than the Titans. But here's what I'll say. The Jaguars and the way that they brought in talent this year and kind of made that run defense an emphasis. What do the teams in the Jaguars division want to do? They want to run the football. What is the Jaguars' strength going to be defensively? Stopping the run is what I expect it to be. Now, against the Titans, yeah, you're dealing with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones when you talk about the passing game. Forget and obviously, obviously Derrick Henry uh, in the running game. So I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I do think when you're talking about how this Jaguars team was put together, it was put together to slow down those running games. Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You make a very good point there. But when I look at it, it's just – Derrick Henry is a is a different it's beast. So I agree. He's a, he I is agree. a different beast, and and again, I, I go back to this all the time. I swear that he has at least half of his career rushing yards against the Jaguars. I mean, it just every time he lines up, I'm I'm ready for him to go for six. So you do want to see them stop the run, and I think that's why we're going to split with the Colts because the Colts are going to be a run first team as well. Jonathan Taylor is great, but not Derrick Henry. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean. I mean, he could be better than Derrick Henry, really, but it's well, hard to say that at this point. Well, he's faster. I, yeah, but he's, he's a lot I, faster. I don't know, man. That's a that's a tough. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe you never know. But that's, both really good. I mean, obviously, they're yeah. both very talented. So that leads us to our final prediction here, which is the most important one: our record predictions for the season. So we can just. We'll just run through the schedule. How about that? That's fine. Let's do that real quick. All right. Jaguars at Texans. We both have them winning that one, so they're 1-0. They return home to face the Broncos in week two. What do we got there? I've got the Jaguars winning that one as well. I mean, the question marks at quarterback for the Broncos, I, I think, are just too big. They really don't have any you know, burning receivers. I think it'll be a tight defensive matchup, but I like the the Jaguars offensive chances at outlasting the Broncos offense. Yeah. And here's where I'm at with this. I'm not sure which of these two games that are their two game homestand Broncos and then Cardinals, which of them they're going to win, but I think they're going to win one of those games. I think they'll split those two. Well, I mean, you look at it, the Cardinals are, are solid offensively and defensively. They got multiple weapons on offense. They've got a great defense. I, I don't necessarily know if, if we're going to be able to keep up with that. They've got JJ Watt now. They've got Chandler Jones. They're going to put a lot of pressure on you up front. But the Broncos, they've got edge rushers and they've got really great ones. Don't get me wrong. But, and corners. And they do have some pretty good corners. And they got Excellent a good safety. Corners. Justin Simmons is, is a great safety. But, I mean, you want to win that game up front. You want to win that game between the tackles, running the ball. So I think that's our saving grace there. And can you stop their offense, which uh, Teddy Bridgewater back there, I think you can stop their yeah, offense. Yeah, like they, they, they don't have anybody that scares me. I mean, Jerry Judy, if, if he if he comes out and takes that next step, I mean, he's he can be a great receiver, but we just haven't seen it yet. And the guy who's getting in the ball, I mean, it's going to come down to getting pressure on those guys and just not letting them get comfortable back there. They don't have a great offensive line either, so we should be able to attack. So we're going to both have them splitting between Broncos and Cardinals. You're going to have the Broncos. I'm going to be undecided on which game they're going to win there. There you go. Um, So we're both at two and one heading into Thursday night football at Cincinnati. That's a game that I think the Jaguars will win. I do not believe in Zach Taylor as a head coach. I do not believe in the Bengals defense right now. And, uh, 
I do like Joe Burrow a lot. I liked Jamar Chase a lot coming out. Even if he's not playing how we expected him to play, they've still got Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, and they have uh, Joe Mixon in the backfield. But I just don't trust that team yet, so I'm going to take the Jaguars in that one. The offensive weapons scare me. It's going to be all up to how that offensive line plays. Can they be improved from last year? Last year was an absolute abysmal performance on the offensive line, but if they can protect Joe Burrow, if they can block well, they definitely have a running back who last year absolutely torched the Jaguars. Uh, He had his best game of the season against the Jaguars before getting hurt. So there's definitely some, some concern there. A Thursday night game, really up in the air. The Jaguars either play really well or really poor on Thursday nights. But I've got them beating the Bengals as well. I think that you know getting to Joe Burrow early, rattling him, stuffing the run is going to be something that, that, that they definitely benefit with. That defense isn't great. Again, the Jaguars, if they can control this game, control the clock, control momentum, I think their offense outlasts the Bengals' offense. Yeah, I do too. So we're both at three and one heading in to the second quarter of the season. And this is where it gets pretty ugly. You've got Titans at Jaguars, Dolphins at Jaguars, Jaguars at Seahawks, Bills at Jaguars, Jaguars at Colts, and then 49ers at Jaguars. That's a one, two, three, four, five, six game stretch against teams that they are not going to be favored to win against in any of those games unless the Colts really fall apart here. I, I see them winning like one of those games. Yep, I've got one as well, and it's the Dolphins. I don't believe in Tua. The Jaguars usually play well in London for the most part. They've had some some stinkers out there, but they've played pretty decently o- across the pond. So I think they can take the Dolphins. Um, but then, like you said, a tough stretch. The Seahawks, the Bills, the Colts, and Lucas Oil is going to be a tough one. And the 49ers defense presents a lot of challenges. So I think we get out to a, a pretty decent start here with those three wins. And then after that, it's a loss, a win, a loss, a loss, a loss, and a loss. Yeah, so that puts them at four wins and two, three, four, five, six losses, right? Yep, So I've got over here. And then you get to Atlanta at Jacksonville in the end of November here. I think that's a game that they win. I do, I mean, I respect Matt Ryan. I respect Mike Davis. They have a decent offensive line. Uh, they've got still very talented offensive weapons in terms of the receivers with Ridley and Kyle Pitts there now. And Russell Gage is a decent little receiver as well. But I just don't think they have the defense. I, I think they're in a rebuilding mode, quasi rebuilding mode. Um, new head coach, new GM. I think the Jaguars take care of that one. It's definitely a toss-up for me. It's it's going to be how is this secondary playing? They've got a multitude of weapons, like you just mentioned. Calvin Ridley, uh, Kyle Pitts. The Jaguars have had fits in the past with tight ends, and Kyle Pitts looks like he's going to be just a game-changing guy. He's one of those generational tight ends that we really don't have a lot of in the league. I, I don't quite know where I fall with this one. Um, I'd like to see the Jaguars pull this out. I'll actually be at this game. Uh, my buddy's going to hook us up with tickets for his birthday, so that's going to be fun. But I got to go Falcons here. I, I, I don't okay. I don't know if it's going to be a shootout, and I just don't know if the Jaguars are ready to win games you know, in a shootout fashion. Okay. So I will have them at five and six, and you'll have them at four and seven after that? Yep. Yep, that's what I got counted up here. Yes. All right. And then Jaguars at Rams. I don't think either of us are going to take them in that one. 
Yeah, no, just there's just too much. That defense is too much. Travel to the sake, West Coast is awful too. For our sake, I hope we go out there and beat him because I don't want to have to hear Jalen's mouth, but I don't think it's going to happen. And like you said, the Jaguars don't play well on the West Coast. That win in Oakland two years ago was the first one, and I can't remember how long, but I remember talking about it, just the woes of the Jaguars on the West Coast, and I don't think he gets any better here. Yeah, and then you're at Tennessee the next week. That's obviously a tough one. I'm not going to pick the Jaguars there. Yeah, no, me neither. Uh, Derrick Henry in Nashville, the Jaguars going to Nashville. Uh, never really ends well, and I think that's a, that's a sweep right there. So I've got them at uh... – What do I have them at here? What do you have them at? That would be four and nine. Okay. So I have them at five and eight entering the final four games of the season, which they have Texans at home at the New York Jets at the Patriots and then the Colts at home. I'm going to take them to win three of those games. I think they're going to be better than the Texans and Jets, and I think the Colts might fall apart by that point in the season. Yep, I've got uh, the Jaguars being the Texans. Uh, i got the Jaguars being the Jets. I have the Jaguars losing in New England and the Jaguars being the Colts at home to end the season. So you finish with 7-10? Seven and 7-10. and ten. I guess I'm going to be the optimist here at 8-9. Um, I'm okay with that. I think when you look at this schedule – I think eight wins is kind of in the middle of of the range of outcomes. I think nine to ten would be the absolute most. And that if that happens, that means your run defense is playing well and Shaquille Griffin and CJ Henderson are really locking it down and the offense is doing what you expect them to do. I had them in eight and nine initially before we had this conversation. My toss up game is, is definitely the Falcons. And there are some games in there that you can expect the Jaguars maybe to swing. I mean, you know, going into New England, going to have to see how they play with Mac Jones. But, you know, that, that's definitely going to be a yeah, tough the test. Patriots are not a guarantee this year. You feel pretty good about them right now, but you're not 100% in my opinion. Right. That's a toss-up right there. I think that the Jaguars could flip. The Jaguars could definitely flip the game with the Falcons. But outside of that, I mean, there are just teams on the schedule that are just blatantly better than the Jaguars. The Titans, the Rams, the 49ers. I'm not sold Bills, on the Seahawks, Seahawks. but that's – out west so that's the hard part about that one for me it's out west and you have russell wilson i mean who at any time just you know really control a game and that sort of experience from a veteran quarterback i think is something that you know the jaguars will struggle with even if you are playing well to start you know he's a guy that can make adjustments and really turn things around so I mean, they've got a solid run game. The offensive line's not terrible. They've got some I mean, weapons. it's mostly about the defense. It is, it is. But again, it could be one of those shootout games that I just I just don't know if the Jaguars are ready to win those games yet. Are you yeah. Are you confident in the Jaguars going out there and winning a game where they have to score 30-plus to win? I'm, I'm mean, not quite there Seattle, yet. Seattle, no. No, yeah, I'm not quite there. How, a question for you. How many games do the Jaguars have to win to make the playoffs? Where do you think this falls? In a tough AFC where you've got, obviously – I think a very clear cut set of division winners. Maybe with the AFC North, it's kind of a toss up. But outside of that, well, how many games that Baltimore is just like hemorrhaging. Yeah, with all the injuries, I think the Browns are definitely going to win that division. Um, you know, you would like to think, being a 
Do they get in at nine and eight? That wins like nine games. You would like to think that would get you in, but I think this year the AFC might just be a little bit more competitive than that, and I think you're going to need to get ten wins to get in. Okay, that's what I was thinking too. I, I don't think nine and eight would cut it in, in in this conference. Right, I don't either, and so I think the Jaguars will be kind of out of the playoff picture and then kind of be maybe sneaking back into it at the very end because they'll be winning those games that we're projecting at the end of the season. But yeah, I, I just, I think that middle of the schedule is really, really hard. It is. And this is such a young team, but I do, like I said, I do see a variance of maybe five to 10 wins. And I know that's a big gap there. That's a five game difference, but I could, I could really realistically see either of those happening. I'm going with eight kind of right in the middle there. How many wins satisfies you? How many wins, you know, would it take for you to sit at the end of the year and and be satisfied with, with the season that they had? Well, it kind of depends on like what happens in terms of, are there unfortunate injuries, different things like that. Um, that's still a loss, you know. No matter how yeah, it plays I would say out, seven cool. would make you feel really good. Mm-hmm. I would say six is acceptable, not for Urban Meyer, not for the guys in the locker room, but in terms of taking a team that won one game last year, getting them to six wins. As long as you're moving in the right direction at the end of the season, at six wins, I think that's okay. Uh, but I would say seven would be where you'd feel pretty damn good going into year two of the urban Meyer experience. Yeah, no, I, I think seven wins and I'm elated. I think you have to get to five or six. Like you said, I mean, there's going to be a game in here somewhere that we both look at and say, Hey, the Jaguars should win that one. And, and things just aren't going to go their way. Could be the Broncos, could be the Bengals, uh, you know, could be the second match with the Texans. So I, I definitely wouldn't be too surprised if, if we're off a little bit, but I think seven, you're elated, but five and six, you're, you're, you're still, making solid progress. Like I said, if there are injuries or stuff like that, you know, if guys are playing well and, and they're losing the shootouts, stuff like that, we have places to make improvements, but seven wins, you're over the moon. I think five and six, yeah. you still gotta be pretty confident in what you're doing. I think five would be a little disappointing just from a numbers standpoint, because like if you only win five games, that means you lost double the amount of games that you won. So that really doesn't feel very good. If you're at six and 10, even though that's only one more win, it's not quite as drastic of a difference. You know what I mean? I I I definitely agree. But I also got to sit back and, and remember where we're coming from. We are coming from one and fifteen. That can't be yeah, forgotten. And there was a ton of injuries on defense. Gardner Minshew not developing. I don't think that. I think in a different, <laughs> a different universe or variant or whatever that that team could have been like a four or five win team last year. Uh, I, I see that. I, I get you know that. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, I get that. I get that. But you definitely, like I said, you, you've got to see the jump. You've got to see yeah. them being competitive now. If we come out and get five wins and or, or, or six or seven wins and the rest of the games are just absolute blowouts, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. But as long as we're fighting, we're competitive, especially, like I said, late in the season, we get to six or seven, we're happy. Hell yeah. So Jeremy's got him at seven. I've got him at eight wins. Uh, maybe we're too optimistic on this team. But look, Urban Meyer has never – won less than eight games as a coach. (laughs) (laughs) 12-game schedule. (laughs) And I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think he's going to be able to get to his eight. I think that it's hard for Jaguars fans to be, you know, like, wow, this team really could be good. 
my question marks, my big question marks are the offensive tackles and ma- mainly just the right tackle with Jawan Taylor because I do feel decent about Cam Robinson. And then just the cornerback room depth. Uh, I feel a, a good amount of pause about that. I do like the top two, but after that, Campbell worries me. And then you've got Herndon and Clay Brooks and no one else. So I think you should have kept Sidney Jones just to mm-hmm. give yourself a little bit more cushion there. But um, if that if the cornerback room holds up, I don't have too many other questions, honestly. Yep, it all comes down to the defensive front. I mean, they made that very clear with how many guys they kept. That's going to be their focal point. So, I mean, it, it goes back to the argument, you know, d- d- does pressure create a good secondary or does a, a good secondary create pressure? And I think the Jaguars are leading. Both. It could, yeah, you do need both, but I mean, I, I think you can definitely elevate a secondary if you're getting enough pressure on a quarterback. I think that's where the Jaguars are focusing as well. That's their mindset. Yeah. We're going to pressure these guys. We're not going to let them sit back there and be comfortable. And in turn, you know, hopefully you'll see some, you know, errant throws or, or some great plays by the DBs. But I think that's our mindset going into this. Yeah, fans, just going into this week one, just be excited to see a defense that's going to be aggressive. They're not just going to sit back and let you dink and dunk all day. They're going to be trying to impose their will, not just sitting back and waiting for the offense to make a mistake. So that'll be a lot of fun to see. Even if it's not perfect, it'll at least just be fun to see more blitzing and more aggressive coverage. It'll just be fun to see the Jaguars back on the field, man. That's all I've been waiting that's for. That's true. Get to see Trevor, you know, finally regular season action. That That's really the only thing I'm focusing on. I mean, yes, once the defense improved, and, and I think they will, and, and all the things you just mentioned are, are definitely focal points, but – just to see some quality quarterback play. That's all that's all I'm asking for. Just some quality. I haven't had any play. consistent quality quarterback play since Mark Brunel. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you had a couple I mean, of years you with, had Gerard, with David but, for yeah. a year or two, Gerard. Uh you had Bortles with one year, really. Um But they so. they leaned on the run. Both those teams they leaned absolutely on the run. did. This is when I this is a quarterback that I want to see you know, come out and to be able to control a game, you know, to make a play. If if it's not going right, you know, can we go ahead and and switch gears here and and begin stretching the field and passing the ball? Competent and and, and consistent quarterback play is all I want to see. Yeah, without a big run game, certainly Bortles and Garrard are not getting the job done. Probably Brunel isn't either. Uh, This could be your first guy, and I think that's what makes you a franchise quarterback. Are you the are you the focal point, or is the running game the focal point? I think he'll be the focal point, and the running game will be close behind because Urban Meyer is a big believer in the zone run and establishing the run. Um, So I do I agree with you there. Just seeing competent quarterback play will be will be something else. Yeah, Uh, but that's going to do it for the show. Had a great time talking. We're hour 20 in. Um, I think we covered pretty much everything we could cover here. Uh, if you're looking to gear up for the season, please check out jenjag.com. Show the world where you're from, Duval County. Uh, restocked a lot of items. We're getting some uh, OG Jaguar logo socks coming in soon. Ooh. Make sure to watch out for that. Yes, I'll make sure to hook you up with one of those, Jeremy. <laughs> I like that. For sure. Um, shout out to Bold City Brewery, the one and only sponsor of the Gin Jag podcast. That's going to do it. Enjoy the first week of the regular season, and uh, hopefully we can come back talking about a Jaguars win against the Houston Texans next week. Have a good one, Duval. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.